Welcome to freescripturebooks.org, the knowledge of God. My name is Jeff, so let's jump into some word studies. That's what this website is about, is studying words, subjects, one way to study the Bible. And this one is a, a psalm verse study. This one's called eternal, or this one's called judgment, the judgment of God. We're going to study all different types of judgments and, and how uh, God initiates or how they come to pass. But the first one we're going to start out with in this episode is eternal judgment. This is found in Hebrews 6, 1 through uh, 2. It says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teachers about the, the Christ, let us pass on to maturity, not laying a, again a foundation of repentance from dead works of faith towards God, of instruction about washing and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So the scripture here is talking about eternal judgment is one of the elementary teachings. You know, if you're here in the United States, you've got elementary school, then you've got junior school or middle school, some people call it, and then high school, and then you have college. Well, eternal judgment is an elementary teaching. There are other judgments that God initiates in scripture that are not elementary. In fact, some of them are difficult to understand, difficult to handle, to accept. And if you even read the book of Job, we're just not going to get to the fullness until we get to, until God wraps this whole thing up and we have a better understanding of judgments. But we can understand, we can fully understand eternal judgment. In fact, you must understand eternal judgment or you're going to end up in a place you don't want to be. So let's go on to the elementary teaching of eternal judgment. It is an elementary teaching. It's not just a judgment, but eternal judgment. Eternal judgment. So that eternal thing is means forever, never ending. Not all judgments of scripture are elementary. We talked about that. The judgment of God is complex, subject no man has been able to fully understand. And by seeking God, we know more than we did yesterday. And we're going to know more tomorrow than we did today. Hebrews 9, 27 through 28 it says and in so much as it had been appointed for men to die once and to die after this comes judgment so christ also have been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly wait him we're talking about eternal judgment it is appointed for men to die once and after this comes judgment elementary teaching that we're all going to die i'm sure you've come to the understanding that now you've probably been around long enough to understand that everybody dies you may be you know so young, uh, young enough to think you've got a long time, but watch the news. So many people die at a young age. This is not a fear tactic or to scare you, but we need to be ready for um, uh, for us to die. The one thing I want you to say here is, there's, is this is appointed, not an appointment. Every man is appointed for men to die once and after this comes judgment. We don't have an appointment to die. God doesn't have set in stone on which day that we're gonna uh, that we're gonna die. Some many people think that, you know, well, it was his time to go. Well, you know, if it's his time to go, then, nothing, then nothing's gonna stop it. And and that's just not it's not true. Throughout scripture you see, um, especially when you get into Proverbs, but also in other places too. That you can add days to your life by walking in righteousness, by obeying God. You can also lessen the days of your life by being disobedient or being ignorant. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You can be destroyed, you know, you can die before your time simply because you weren't looking both ways before crossing the street. So you do not have an appointed time to die. Like an appoint, or uh, you have appointed time to die, but you don't have an appointment God is not set in stone what time, you know, what day and what time, you know, the reaper 
uh, is going to come get you as as movies tell us right yeah but we are all appointed to die and 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 uh, not an appointment our choices can add days and years reduce our, reduce our lifespan Ju judgment after death is elementary choose jesus and live do not choose jesus do not live we're talking about elementary means elementary you should be able to understand this you know, elementary school goes up here to about 12. Some people, are, I guess, are 13, but 12 or 13, you know, Jesus was at the temple at 12, astounding, you know, the the rabbis there about how much he knew. And uh, <clears throat> so let's go on to the third part of the eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is elementary. Wages of sin is death. No way out of it, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now we talk about minimum wage versus maximum wage. Because this scripture doesn't mean automatically death today. Like Adam and Eve, you know, when they're guarding, Satan uh, tempted Eve and said, Surely you're not, you're not going to die today. And, well, they did spiritually because we're more than just a physical body. And they didn't die for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds more years physically. But there is a death every time we sin. There is a death of a dream, a death of a hope, a death of joy, a death of all kinds of things that happen. Because that's a minimum wage versus maximum wage. A maximum wage of sin of death is eternal death or eternal death in you know eternity in hell away from the presence of God. But there is minimum wage. Every time we sin, we receive you know some kind of wage because it's built in in this world, you know. If, if you do things that bring, you know, Jesus or God said, I set before you life and death. Choose life. So he even gives us the, the answer uh, to that. But we can choose death. We can choose a minimum wage and taste death without fully dying. But this scripture here is for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the more we turn to Christ, of course, so one time you turn to Christ, you can receive eternal life, put your trust um, in him, surrender to him. But the more we put our trust in him, the more we walk in life and not in sin and not in things that bring about death uh, at every possible level in the in you know in mankind. So the free kit, so this free gift of eternal life is with confession of sin and a need for a savior. If you don't if you don't know what sin is, then you're probably not looking for a savior, nor do you think you need a savior. But the free gift is comes confession. That I need a savior because I know I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. I am not the higher power and the higher power is Jesus. This is eternal life. This is an elementary teaching. <clears throat> Let's go to point four. This is Matthew chapter 10 verses 28 through 33. I'm going to read the, the main part of this and then I'll, then I'll go back to the beginning. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. So denying Jesus is a big, big deal. So let's let's begin um, where how Jesus came to make this statement. He says, "Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul." <clears throat> so people can kill the body. You know, ruthless dictators can kill the body. Neighbors can kill the body. Your enemies can kill your body, but no one can kill your soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? 
and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very heirs, hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men and goes into that, do not deny me thing. So he compares this that God even knows the sparrows, so even the sparrows are not following without God's acknowledgement, without God uh, not knowing that. And um, and the very hairs of our head are, are all numbered. <laughs> you know, the government, I don't care how how dictatorial your government, even the government doesn't know how many hairs you have. Well, I guess that on your head, I guess maybe if you're bald, you know, I have no hairs, but only God knows. So this is how much God cares about us, that he keeps track of how many hairs are on your head. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. So, denial. Let's talk about denial. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy, you know, Jesus you know, said, if you sin against me, you can be forgiven. But if you sin against the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven this lifetime or the next one. Of course, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit in this context is uh, when G when they're saying that Jesus was uh, using the power of Satan um, to perform his miracles. So they're calling what's holy, unholy. And so that was blasphemy. And we can do the same thing. If we don't see Jesus as holy, if we don't see God as holy, if we don't see that eternal life is holy and we continue to live an unclean life, an unholy life, we continue to live a life of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's not just using God's name in vain or cursing him or, or, or a one-time deal on any of those things, but it's a continuous life. Even people in the church have a form of holiness but denying the power thereof. So if Jesus just came to tell us, just to give us a message that we just need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, but there is no power to change, there's no power of sin, and sin is still with us. But scripture says that Jesus took away our sin, that grace is not only the favor of God, but the power um, of us to walk without sin, the power to put off our sinful, uh, sinful behaviors, the anointing. Um, breaks a yoke of bondage. Uh, you should know the truth, and the truth will set us free. So should we? So with the grace of God and receive Jesus for eternal life, we should be walking away from sin rather than keeping it. But many people have a form of holiness, which means they're doing the church things, rather going to church, reading the Bible, somewhat praying. You can pray, not pray to God. Um, but they have a form of holiness, but their life has not changed. You couldn't tell them from the guy down the street who's, you know, <laughs> living just living his life about God in fact there are some people out there that have more morality in their life who who deny Jesus because they say I don't believe his only way then people say I believe in Jesus but the, the moral life is just absolutely pathetic and that's not a judgment or you know a condemnation but it's telling you that the grace is God you can have the grace of God to, <clears throat> to overcome all your sin an unpardonable sin you know or uh, is pretty much denying the pardon Jesus came to pardon us from the wrath of God, pardon us from the, the destruction that we all deserve because uh, because the wage of sin is death. Um, so the unpardonable sin is not allowing the pardon, not an officer of pardon. I'm going to stay here, Lord. I, I don't want you getting me out of jail. I don't want to obey you. I don't want to follow you. I'll, I'll pay my own penalty. I'll pay my own cost. I'll, you know, and that's an unpardonable sin is when you can't be pardoned because you won't allow God to pardon you through Jesus Christ. And sin unto death which is pretty much somebody, you know, denying the saving grace of God. It says, I have you pray for him, but unless it's a sin unto death. And I think that has a lot to do with 
sins, you know, people saying, well, God understands. God knows I can't get through this. God knows where I came from. So they continue in sin when, when the scripture tells them that it is sin and the wages of sin is death. It's not when you're trying to overcome something. It's not when you're trying to, you know, seek the Lord and, and how you can stand up to temptation and not do this, but as people who get to the point where they don't want to recognize something as sin anymore. And so they, so they promote it. They actually say, well, God understands. Well, God's okay with it. Well, when you're at that point where there's no place for repentance, then it's a sin unto death and there's nothing, nothing's going to help you because you just don't, you just don't believe. Yeah. And that's denying, that's denying Jesus. And there's other, there's other ways of denying Jesus too. <clears throat> And we're going to talk about those right here. Uh, Matthew 26, 31, uh, I'm going to read the end part of it. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. So let's go back to the uh, beginning because here's Jesus telling, because remember we just talked about Jesus telling disciples not to deny me. <clears throat> and, and here is Peter saying, I'm, I'm not going to deny you. And Jesus said to them, you will fall away because of me in the night for it is written, I will strike I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows, you would deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I would not deny you. And all the disciples said the same things too. So Peter <clears throat> denies Jesus. Read on. Peter denies Jesus three times before the cock crows. You know, he's confronted. He says, aren't you with Jesus? And he says, I don't know the man. And, you know, he says that three times and begins cursing and curse, even cursing himself. And, and But the thing is that the fourth time, Peter did not deny Jesus. Because remember when Jesus, you know, rose from the dead and, and he, he said, go tell Peter and my disciples that I've raised from the dead. And then you find out 50 days later from Jesus raised from the dead that Peter stands in front of all those people that he denied Jesus before and tells them that they're the ones that crucified Jesus and they're the ones and they repent from their sins, you know, have, have uh, turned from their sins towards uh, repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's Peter denied Jesus three times, which means, you know, you're not going to be saved. If, you know, if you deny Jesus before men, Jesus says, I'll deny you before before God. And here's that Peter does it. But the fourth time, Peter does not deny Jesus. So denying Jesus, which I think we've all have, and I can really get into which I'm not, it's a lifestyle of denying Jesus into your life to change you. And so, so the fourth time, Peter did not deny Jesus, and everything was kosher. Denying Jesus is a lifestyle, not three strikes and you're out, like we'd like to do. We're, you know, people in Noah's day got 120 years of opportunity. You know, we're talking. I was just talking about three strikes and you're out. We like to, we like to put judgment on people, but we can't. We we don't know why God will give one person longer amount of time or more options or more chances, not options, but more chances than somebody else. But but here is Peter. Uh, people in those days got 120 years to repent. It says that Noah was a righteous preacher, and that's what he preached. And actually, nobody repented except for his own family that went with him. Israel leaving Egypt got ten. Ten opportunities, but ten highly, they only had ten chances. They broke all ten chances, but those ten chances, every one of them was surrounded by a supernatural, awesome, miraculous miracle. And so, 
And so, so Israel only had 10, uh, 10 chances. Only two people, uh, Jacob and, and Joshua, actually made it into the promised land. And everybody under 20 years old, well, most people under 20 years old, some of them died probably in the wilderness as well. So how many opportunities do you have or how many opportunities do I have to turn to Christ? I mean, if you've seen a lot of miracles, if you've been around and heard a lot of word, you know, you may be getting to those end if you're still refusing, you know, to follow Jesus and surrender your life to him. But that's not the only way we can deny Jesus. Remember, if we deny Jesus, he'll also uh, deny us before God. And we're talking about eternal life, which is elementary teaching. This is elementary. Um, this is Jude 4. Jude was, name was actually Judas, but he was a, a half-brother of Jesus. Um, same mother, different father. You know, Jesus' father was in heaven. And, and Judas's or Jude's father was, probably, was Joseph, um, who married Mary. It says, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of God into licentious and deny our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is a scripture you hear people say, well, you're just giving somebody a license to sin. Well, licentious, license. And this was talking about turning the grace of God into licentious. Because if you ever hear anybody say that, that's where they're coming for them. Then, of course, you always hear their side says, nobody needs a license to sin. They're going to do it. And I agree with both of them. You can easily... You know lower the bar and give people more opportunity to sin if you don't teach on the holiness of God the fear of the Lord and how God wants us to be perfect and he gives us the grace to be perfect but many people turn the grace in is just ask forgiveness and and just continuous sin as long as you ask for forgiveness you're going to be okay and that's what Jude is really getting upset about Jude you know was raised in the same house with Jesus Jude knew Jesus very well he says you know stepbrother or half-brother Half-brother, not stepbrother. Same, same mother, different father. And so so you can really use the grace. In fact, you can fail the grace. You can neglect the grace. You can deny the grace. And there's a bunch of scriptures on that. But we're not talking about grace right now. We're talking about eternal life and, and denying or receiving Jesus. Live, so living in a known, unrepentant sin may classify as denying the Lord. You know, if the Lord has given us the grace of God to, to overcome sin, but... We continue in our unrepentant sin. We just get tired of repenting of it because we're just not getting over it. We're not receiving that grace. So we just kind of qualify ourselves based on our own righteousness. Can be classified as denying the Lord before men. God is long-suffering. Got to know that. God is long-suffering. So he may give you 10, 20, 30, 40 years. You know, 120 years to Noah's day. So I can't say if your time is nearing. But God is long-suffering more than we can even imagine or think. Many people have walked away because they weren't long-suffering on themselves as much as God was. I mean, I was that way. I remember one time, you know, I was in a sin and I was desperate trying to overcome it. And I got so disgusted, I kept falling into it. I got in my car and, you know, and I remember the Lord speaking to my heart. So where are you going? What are you doing? And I says, I'm going to go turn, turn myself over to Satan so my heart, so my flesh is, you know, destroyed, but my soul is saved. You read that in 1 Corinthians about Paul having some uh, some guy over to Satan so that just that would happen. And remember the Lord speaking to my heart, telling me well, just exactly how you're going to do that. Well, I, I got the hint. I got that he was more long-suffering. And, you know, and, and I got, I didn't know how to do that. And so, so God began breaking, you know, showing me to trust in him rather than trying to overcome myself, which is the whole book of Galatians when you try to do you know, natural things overcome natural things. You just can't. You got to use the spiritual weapons of God. But anyway, 
God is long-suffering. The angels rejoice over one person who repents. You know, we're talking about born again, or most people say, are you saved? Well, the angels rejoice over one person who repents, not one who gets born again. Because there's another group of people, once you're born again, that's it. You, you've reached the pinnacle. you reached the place you want to be, so don't worry about anything else. And uh, we're going to talk more about that, but not right now. But the angels rejoice over one person who repents because we, when you live in sin, the wage of sin is death. And even though we don't have the maximum wage, which is eternal death and hell, we can have hell on earth. There's a lot of people that have experienced that to some degree. It's nowhere close to being in the fullness of hell. But, but a lot of people have been closer and certainly you know, experienced bitterness and experienced devastation, experienced death on earth. And one who repent, does not repent, you know, will experience that death. And to the extent uh, they to the extent they have knowledge that they should repent, to the extent they God has given them grace, to the extent of so many things, that death can be even worse. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get more into the judgments of God, more past that elementary, maybe even college level judgments, I guess. If we believe Jesus, we will repent from no. Uh, Habitual known sin. If we believe Jesus, if we really believe that He was raised from the dead, if we really believe that there's nothing stopping us from overcoming, because what is, I mean, what's the word? I mean, what is harder, overcome a sin over or overcome death, overcoming death? Jesus. So if we really trust that Jesus was raised from the dead, and that that when we get this fear that if I can't have this, if I can't do this, I'm going to die, then we're, we're going. Well, it doesn't matter if I die because I'm going to be raised back up, just like Jesus was. So if we believe Jesus, we will repent from no habitual known sin. Repentance is not is not a work when we believe in the power of Jesus. I'm going to say that repentance is not a work when we believe in the power of Jesus. If repentance is a work, we still do not believe in the power of Jesus. A lot of people are now saying that you don't need to repent. All you need to do is believe mentally assent, which is not true. Repentance comes after or can come before or after is kind of like the egg. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, it really doesn't matter because you need both if you want to continue, right? <laughs> so repentance, you know, so repentance or rather repent and come to God or you come to God and you repent. Either way, you, your faith has got to be in the Lord Jesus. It's got to be, believe in the resurrection power because if there's resurrection power that raised him the dead, that same resurrection power can deliver us from sin. Can call, and it can help us repent, can help us walk away from temptation and deny it and look into the face and deny temptation. So repentance is not a work when we believe in the power of Jesus, but repentance is a work uh, we still do not believe the power of Jesus. We can only truly repent by surrendering our entire being for the hope that is Christ Jesus. Many people live halfway because they haven't completely surrendered their life. And that can mean... You know, what do you mean by completely surrendering your life? Whatever the Lord's asking you to do, do it. You know, whatever Jesus is, is talking to you, do it. So so one person's surrender may be more than somebody else's surrender because it has to do with your age, has to do with your the knowledge of God. And this is freescripturebooks.org, the knowledge of God. The more you have knowledge of God and the way he does things, the more too much is given, much is required. So surrendering to somebody, you know, to God, you know, in the outer means is you know is is going to look different from somebody else now we can all surrender to god with our hearts says love god if your whole heart soul mind and strength we can all do that no matter how uh, much knowledge of god that we have and we should do that 
but on the outside it may look different. Somebody else may be involved in some things that you're going, how can they, how can they be involved in that? Well, they may have surrendered their whole heart to the Lord, but God hasn't dealt with them in that area like he's dealt with us. But we can truly, truly repent with Jesus Christ. Going to the seventh point. Um, John 13, uh, chapter 13, verses 5 through 11. It says, if you... Now, I better stop here and make a part two on here because I'm going to try to keep it under 15. I think we're up at 20 minutes. Well, this is freescripturebooks.org, the knowledge of God. Be blessed.